I was walking through the halls of a Minnesota rink When along came a wild fan who started talking smack to me He said, I bet you never liked the blues until they won a cup and So I calmly turned to him and said, hey man, listen up I admit it's pretty great to win Lord Stanley's prize But listen, I've been waiting for this moment my whole life Yes sir, I'm a blues fan, yes sir, I'm a blues fan Heartbreak's all I knew, man, that team from old St. Lou, man Got a cup in here, 52, man, give me a let's go blues I know Oshie, Backus, Berglund, J. Bo, Perron, Petro, Steiner, Allen, Tarasenko, Gunnarsson, Bennington, Edmund, Shen, Stastny, Elliott, Fabry, Shattenkirk, O'Reilly, Schwartz, Reeves, Yarrow, Barber, Sheparenko, Dunn, Langen, Bruner, Aportuzo, Kola, Yakubo. Yes, sir, I'm a blues fan. Yes, sir, I'm a blues fan. Heartbreak's all I knew, man. That team from old St. Lou, man. Got a cup in here, 52, man. So give me a we went blue. <laughs> And now, the starting lineup for your Blue Notes podcast, Tom Franklin and the man called Wags. And thank you, Tom Calhoun, and hello and welcome to Blue Notes, located on the best city on the Mississippi, the best in the Midwest. We've got that Stanley Cup power, too sweet to be sour. And if you're still clueless, we are talking about St. Louis. This is your home for St. Louis Blues coverage on the Hockey Podcast Network. Welcome to all our viewers and listeners on the internet, uh, whether you're listening to us on the podcast or on YouTube or Facebook tonight. Last word on hockey. Uh, welcome you guys. Guy the White Blues Fans Universe, wherever you are, thank you for being right here right now. I'm Tom Franklin, joined as always by my executive officer, Wags. Wags, hockey is back! I know, like... I. I just cannot believe it. I'm so excited. You know, we've got a blue scrimmage tonight. Uh, if you're listening to us and watching us on Sunday, there's a scrimmage going to get ready to drop here around 7 o'clock. But Wednesday, yes, it's late. But my God, we have <laughs> hockey again. Yes, indeed. And uh, welcome to Aaron Wallace on Facebook chiming in saying hello to everyone. And if you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, drop us a comment and uh, we will pop you on here just like we did um, Mr. Aaron Wallace there. So, um, of course, we are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Blue Notes Pod. You can follow us at all those page, uh, pages for the latest updates, uh, also on YouTube as well. Make sure you ring the bell on YouTube so you know that uh, when we are live next. And uh, Wags, of course, you know, if you could, if you can tell our listeners to give us a review, I, I think I just told you already to do that so yes yeah. yes give us a review especially wherever you're getting your uh podcast especially on apple itunes because the more reviews we get the better reviews you get more blues fans are going to be able to hear the coverage of blue notes and what we think about the blues and, and you know it's it's always nice to get uh some fresh voices out there into the uh sports podcasting and broadcasting world yeah absolutely and uh we have a special guest. Uh, we're actually going to flip the usual script from how we do our Sunday episodes when we have guests. So usually we'll ramble for a few minutes and then uh, we'll have Guy on for the Aloha commentary and then we'll bring our guest on. We're flipping it around a little bit. Um, just why not? Because it's 2021, new year, new us. And uh, we have a special guest. It is 
fan-sided writer and Tell It Abs It Is podcast host Griffin Youngs will uh, lead things off for us this season. Of course, we had the Quack Report on Thursday. I want to thank Carter and Nate for being on. That's Season 2, Episode 10, if you want to check that out and find out a little bit more about the uh, Blues' new division uh, rivals this year. And, uh, of course, we have another Aloha commentary from Guy the Y.A. Blues fan. He is going to help us pick who is going to win the Central Division this week. We did the West Division last week, and now we are picking the Central Division because it's the division that uh, pushed us off to the West, I guess because we didn't want to hurt Dallas's feelings or something. So we, you know, get bit on that one. Um, but regardless, actually, you know what? Dallas is getting bit themselves, you know, by the COVID bugs. So we'll we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Maybe another reason why maybe it's not so bad to be out West and then, of course, uh, we'll pick the Central Division standings ourselves, uh, talk about some bibs and bobs from around the league. In our Notes That Are Blues segment, there's a fair bit of news going on, as you can imagine, because hockey is back in, uh, by the time you listen to this on Monday, two days. Two days, Wags. And, you know, I, I, in our graphic, I made sure to include John Denver in it, because, of course, we're talking about, you know, the Rocky Mountains today. And I was rem- I I got sad though, right when I put him there, because I was reminded that we have not heard blues fans belting out country roads for ten months now. And yeah. it's been way too long. Yeah, and you know, I was one of those people that wasn't a fan of it early on, but it's definitely grown on me, especially being a season ticket holder and being there more frequently. Uh I, I gotta I gotta think that uh Fox Sports Midwest, the St. Louis Blues, somebody is going to get something together where the fans are going to be able to do something like that and be able to play that somewhere, somehow, so that we can still get that experience and, and do that in our own homes. And granted, you know, it's going to be harder and harder to watch the Blues this year because we're not sure how <laughs> that's going to play out. Uh, but I'm sure they're going to find some way to make that happen. Last year with everything going down and being up in Edmonton, you couldn't really do things at the arena. But now we might be able to do some of these things that we're used to doing. It's just going to be you know, separate but still something that they might be able to plan. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, and Country Roads, I first thought it was kind of weird when Blues fans started singing that just because it's talking about the mountains in West Virginia, which are, last I checked, nowhere near St. Louis. But uh, we do have plenty of Country Roads, you know, around the St. Louis area, so I guess it kind of fits there. And I have strong memories of the morning after the Blues won the Stanley Cup. So this would have been June 13th, 2019, I had just pulled an all-nighter. I literally woke up, went to Enterprise Center to watch the Blues and uh, Bruins Game 7 from the, from the monitor. Uh, my news director wanted me to get some fan audio from after the game. So I uh, watched the game from the KMOX booth, of course, because, you know, went in Rome. And, um, you know, I all night long, you know, it was, it, was, it was just Blues fever after winning the Cup. And then... Leaving work that morning, downtown St. Louis, um, I stopped at an intersection. It was Olive and 14th, and I had my window down because it, it was a nice day. And there was another car uh, in our little four-way that was just blaring country roads. And underneath the music, you can actually hear the, the driver singing country roads, you know, as it's going on. And I just like, okay, so I, I kept going down 14th. Got to 14th and Clark, you know, which is where Enterprise Center is. Windows still rolled down. Press play on Country Roads. I started singing it. 
And I swear, I heard the guy behind me singing it. <laughs> it's just—it's just a contagious song, you it know. Is. Between that and Gloria, that was the soundtrack of that summer. I mean, it, it, it was those, those two songs, and what what uh, that song by Lit too. I mean, those, those are the three. Oh yeah, yeah. Those are the three that that blues fans know by heart and will sing it anytime they hear the first couple of notes. No doubt. Yes, exactly right. We're uh, we're one of the. You know, it's 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 I wish singing among fans like that was more popular like it is in like European countries. You know, yeah. like big reason I'm a Liverpool fan is because I watched YouTube videos of 50,000 plus, you know, crazy English singing. You'll never walk alone. A kind of a, you know, throwaway song from the 60s. And I'm like, you know what? This is pretty cool. Yeah, this I'm is sorry. pretty cool. Try not to get sick over here. You said you're a Liverpool. Yeah, fan. I, know I know that. I, but every time I, you say I, it, it still makes me want to puke. I see your man you jersey kind of creeping out there from the from the corner. I yeah. mean, I'm representing at least. Mm, mm. <laughs> anyway, uh, hey, we we all can't be perfect. It's fine. You, I mean, you you dated a Blackhawks fan. I didn't. You know, it's it's fine. It's fine. I I get it. I get it. Um. All right, Griffin Young. He is uh, Griffin Youngs. He's actually waiting for us as we speak. And a reason we're talking to him today, as opposed to like say Thursday. Um, is because there is no godly way we'll be able to finish a fresh podcast following Wednesday night's opener in Colorado. It'll the game will end at about twelve thirty, you know, local time here in St. Louis. I have to be up for work an hour after that. So, and this is not a Stanley Cup final. So, I we 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 can't do that. Wags, you can't do that because of your employment. I'm sure Griffins can't do that. You know, you know, being you know where where he lives. So. Um, unfortunately, the Thursday episode will not have any sort of recap from the Wednesday night game. I'm just warning you all in advance. We're human. We need sleep at some <laughs> point. So, but thankfully, this 930 game, it's one of the few for the Blues this year. I, I do give, I still give NHL some stick tabs for at least helping us out there. So, um, but anyway, without further ado, fan sided writer and tell it as it is podcast host Griffin Youngs joins us now here on Blue Notes. It is our Blue Notes face-off of the week. It's the Blue Notes face-off of the week. And thank you once again, Tom Calhoun, and uh, thank you to the makers of NHL 94 for that beautiful music to introduce us to our guest this week, Griffin Youngs. How's it going, bud? I'm doing quite well. How are you guys doing tonight? We're good. This uh, Hockey is back. It is. This is not a fever dream. It's real. Hockey is coming back. We have waited so long for this. I can't wait. I can't wait neither. It's hard It's hard to be upset at all when there's hot. What is it, two days now till season opener? Yeah, exactly. By the time this is a lifetime. It, it feel it really does. I mean, it's we had the playoffs, you know, which was you know great for me. I was one of those people. I, I work, you know, at the total ass crack of dawn. So you know, by the time I got home, the first round robin games were going, or the first playoff games were going, and it's like hockey all afternoon. It was absolutely awesome. But you know, the season ended in September, and of course, a lot's happened. You know, in the country, in the world. You know, four months in 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 2020 might as well be four years. So you know, exactly. I'm I'm glad I'm glad we finally got to this point, and uh, we have hockey back here. So 
Uh, first of all, let's go ahead and, and and get to know you a little bit. Of course, you're uh, one of our new podcasts here on the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, what got you into the NHL and the game of hockey growing up? Now, I, before I before you answer that, I understand. I have an inside source that tells me you're actually a Capitals fan, first and foremost. Sounds like I think I might know who that source is, but <laughs> mm. I can confirm that that rumor is in fact true i do live out here in maryland in the dmv if you can see maybe a little bit behind me that red sign that is a cap sign so okay i did grow up a caps fan and everything but i do have a very very good connection to the abs my favorite player growing up for a while was andre burakovsky when he was on the capitals and then obviously last season he gets moved to colorado i already followed the team just because Nathan McKinnon, hard to not follow him. Fair. And Darren Burakovsky heads over there, got his jersey on now. Full-blown Avs fan now. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah, you certainly do. I mean, in the, the league, you know, with free agency and all that stuff, you, you're going to have to follow players, no question whatsoever. Uh, you also write for Fans Cited, and how long have you been with them, and, and do you have any favorite articles that you've written so far? I've been with Fans Cited for about – Four years now, four years ago last October, I actually started writing about the UFC back in the the early days for a site called Cage Pages, which was just a, a smaller site on Fansided. But eventually they brought me up to the main site to cover just about everything. I kept covering the UFC for a while and I slowly started to creep over to hockey just because I realized I enjoyed writing about it a lot more. And eventually that just became a full-time thing. It's I'm, I'm really blessed to do it. I'm blessed to have this show. I'm blessed to be able to write about the sport I love. I'm blessed to talk about a team I love twice a week. And my favorite article I've written, probably a little over two years ago, I did a big season preview for the whole league. I ranked all 31 teams' chances at winning the Stanley Cup that season. This, this was the season that the Blues won the Stanley Cup. I think I had them 10th that season in terms of chances to win the cup and i did about a couple thousand words for all 31 teams and it came out to be a pretty hefty article it took me about a month to do that's definitely one i'd be the most proud of feel 10th place that year wags that would be probably i feel that's right about where people were picking the blues right before the season right yeah oh no question and you know Early on, we would have been like, 10th, yes, we'll take 10th. And then yes, by the end of the year, we're like, 10th, really? <laughs> we have definitely been rated way lower than that, trust me. <laughs> oh, so, yes. so so, so, we, we, we salute you already. Uh, so let's go ahead and talk about the Blues and the Avs, you know, and, you know, kind of get to, you know, we, we kind of know the Avs a little bit just because we're both Central Division uh, foes. Now we're moving out to the West. Um, over the past couple of years, it seems like the Avs and Blues have been kind of building a kind of a competitive rivalry. I wouldn't call it like a real blood rivalry, but it seems like the games are always very high octane and it just feels like there's always a lot at stake when these two teams play. Um, the Blues have a nine and four record against the Avs the last three seasons. But outside of going four and in 2018-19, the Blues play the Avs, um, you know, the there's a pattern, you know, they played the as really well in the first half of the season. And then as we saw last season, just complete shambles, you know, in the second half of the season, um, I'm really afraid for Jordan Bennington. Anytime he goes to Denver now, just because uh, they've, they, the abs did not treat our starting netminder very well in Denver the last two games. Uh, so yes, we'll admit it. The abs scare us a little bit, but 
How do you abs you and you know fans like you feel about the Blues? Well, coming into this season, uh, we definitely have started a bit of a blood feud with Dallas, and probably would label them to be our top rival at the moment. And coming into the season, they were going to be in this West Division with us, and the Blues were going to be out in the Central. Yep. But now that those positions have swapped, I would I would probably say that of the teams in our division, I would say the Blues are the biggest rival right now. I mean. Minnesota, I mean, a couple Man. of years ago, that would have been a pretty big rivalry after that playoff series and everything. But I think you're right. I think something has been boiling with the Abs and the Blues for a little while. Nothing to really call it a major rivalry yet. But once we get through eight games this season, especially to open the season, then a couple to end the season, and potentially a playoff series if the stars align that way, I think going into next season as well, you could start to see this become a very marketable rivalry for the league. I mean, there was that game a few years ago, game 82 to get into the playoffs that the Avs ended up winning to add to that nine and four record one, one where it counts. But mm -hmm. I think once they do get into that series a little bit, they knock out these first two games meet again, just a few weeks later, I think you'll start to see a lot more pushing and shoving coming up. Yeah. And first of all, thanks for reminding me of that, you know, game 82. I've, I had raced it from my memory for some you reason. You won the cup the next year. I mean, I'm sure that softened yeah, it a little bit. It, it did. It did. But um, yeah, it was that was a tough pill to swallow that year. It was it was uh, that was another one of those kind of like, hey, this could be our year type of years. And it just didn't happen. Mike Yo was kind of a kind of a train wreck. And then the second thing, speaking of Mike Yo, you know, you mentioned the wild yeah, the Wilder joining us. I would definitely say the, you know, I would agree with you in that I think the Blues and Stars have more of a rivalry than the Blues and Wild do. The Wild have always been kind of striving for mediocrity. Mm -hmm. I will I will also say I would not be surprised, Wags, if we start seeing a rivalry building between the Blues and the Coyotes just because the Coyotes seem to have our number for some reason, and I don't know why. And, of course, after this season, the Coyotes – are jumping to the central. So, you know, you, you, you got to know Corey and Richie are going to want to rub it in our faces, you know, you know, as anytime they can. Oh, most definitely. And, you know, for talking of rivalries and, you know, moving to the Colorado side of things, I could definitely see Colorado and Vegas really getting into the heat of battle because they both have superior offensive abilities and they're both the top two teams. I think in my mind as cup contenders this year, that, that could be a really, Detroit Colorado ish kind of rivalry uh, building this year. Yeah, absolutely. I'd agree with that. I could also see that happening with the Blues in Vegas with the Petrangelo departing and everything. Vegas, and trust me, the, the the Vegas Nightly guys they want that to happen. And so far, I'm just I'm I'm not playing along yet, but. We might have to cross that bridge at some point, Griffin. I think we're going to have a lot of Twitter interactions with the Vegas Nightly guys over the course of this season. <laughs> Both of us. Yes. They're, they're, I think they're feeling themselves a little bit right now with the team they've got. I mean, and deservedly so, a bit. But with Vegas yeah. for, the, for the Avalanche, that's definitely going to be probably one of the best matchups to watch in the entire season. I mean, they're going to be putting them out on Lake Tahoe for an outdoor game. I think the NHL feels the same. 
Yeah, yeah de- definitely. And, and, you know, of course, you know, Wags, you know, Vegas, probably the biggest chirpers in the THPN network. <laughs> They've got to be at this point. A little bit, maybe. <laughs> it, it helps that they got the biggest chirper of them all and uh, Mr. Ryan Reeves down there as well. Uh, True. <laughs> uh, so, Griffin, before we talk to you, we, we talked a little bit about how some of the West Coast start times for the Blues are being adjusted. So it's not so late for us here in St. Louis. But being in the mountain time zone, is it fair to say that the Avs are mostly unaffected by being in that middle time zone that, you know, they're going to, they're used to these kind of games spanning the three zones. So are they going to feel any differences being out in the West? I wouldn't expect so. I mean, the, even this 10 30 start time for me out on the East coast is going to be eight 30 out there. That's not bad at all for the abs or people who fans who live out in Colorado. So, and that's going to be one of the later games of the season. Most of these games are going to start around six o'clock mountain time, seven o'clock and, a bunch of these games are going to be starting in the afternoon as well. So I don't think the start times are really going to affect the Avs at all. I mean, they've they've dealt with this a lot over the, the years playing in a bunch of time zones. And I'm sure a lot of these guys are adjusted to it by now. Yeah, definitely. So let's go ahead and talk about the Avs themselves. Uh, they made two notable offseason moves, uh, acquiring Brendan Saad from, Colorado, uh, from Chicago for essentially Nikita Zadorov, and there were some minor pieces exchanged. And then the Avs dealt two seconds to the Islanders for Devin Taves. Um, first, Saad. I, I picked him up late in our THPN Fantasy draft this weekend. Should I expect a resurgence out of him in Colorado? Absolutely, you can expect a resurgence out of Brandon Saad in Colorado this season. At worst, Saad is going to be playing on that second line with mainly Nazem Kadri and probably interchangeably with Burakovsky or Gabe Landeskog, just depending on how Bednar feels on a night-by-night basis. But yeah, I mean, Saad, he's been on a lot of winners in the past with those Blackhawks teams, and he's bringing a lot of experience to this Avs team. And I can definitely see him having a strong bounce back. He was pretty solid last year. The only real down season Sod's had was his return to Chicago. You can kind of guess what to expect from him in every other season. And I wouldn't expect him to be that much different here, but definitely strong resurgence with his line mates if he can stick with Kadri. And there could be a chance with injuries or just if Bednar's Mm -hmm. feeling it to stick him up with McKinnon and Landeskog or Brantonen for that matter. So just th- I think that just that chance alone, that's a very smart pickup to pick him up late in the draft. If you can stick him alongside McKinnon, even if it's just a couple times a year, I can expect he'll be potting a lot of points that night. And then you pick up, you know, I guess to fill the door off spot, you know, Devin Taves, you know, to add to already a strong defensive stable in Colorado, arguably probably one of the best, probably the best, in my opinion, defensive core in the entire Western Conference for sure. Um, you know, of course, I'm trying to pick up Taves from another one of our fantasy teams as well. Um, but uh, those who think he's just the other Taves, you know, because everyone knows Jonathan Taves so well. Just how good and underrated is Devin Taves, and where do you see him fitting in in the uh, Avs uh, pairings? Getting Devon Taves this offseason is probably one of the best moves Joe Sackick has made outside of the Matt Duchesne trade. That is a brilliant pickup. Devon Taves is incredibly underrated. He was excellent in New York and kind of emerged out of nowhere the last few seasons coming up out of the AHL. He fit perfectly in that trot system and everything. He's got a booming shot and he could potentially slot right up on that top pair with Kale McCarr, the way things are shaping out in training camp right now. And that could be a a lethal duo. That could be a duo that you could see playing for team Canada in a few years. It's that good. Devontae's 
is definitely an upgrade over Nikita Zadorov. No offense to Nikita Zadorov, he was great in his as his during his time as an Avalanche. But Devontae's paying only two seconds for him is an outstanding move, especially if the Avs do as well as we expect them to. Those will be two late second round picks. They're not going to be missing those, especially when you can get Taze for four years like we just signed him. It's a brilliant pickup. Well, you talk a lot about, and all of us talk a lot about Colorado's offense, and now you're talking up the Colorado defense. But in your guys' mind, what is Colorado's biggest strength heading into this season? Their biggest strength is definitely their top six on offense. You mean, you put Nathan McKinnon, Landis Gog, Rantanen on a line together. It's already unfair. And even with just that line alone, two seasons prior, they were sneaking into the playoffs and giving teams like Nashville and knocking off Calgary two years ago as well. They were giving those teams trouble with just basically that line alone. And now they've added all this depth with Saad, Burakovsky, Kadri, everyone underneath them. And now you see it. This team is emerging as a Stanley Cup favorite. They made a good push last season before they ran into a bunch of injuries against Dallas. But that, that star power in that top six is definitely their greatest strength. And that's not to take away from the amazing depth they have in their bottom six, how much power they've built up on defense by getting Kale McCarr and now adding Devontae's and continuing to get growth from Gerard, and now potentially getting Bowen Byram up in the NHL this season as well. So definitely that star power with McKinnon, Rantanen, and Landeskog is still their strength. Yeah, we we bigged up the forwards, the top six, the bottom six. We bigged up the defensive core. Is Colorado's biggest weakness their goaltending, or would you even say Colorado has a weakness? That's that's a, probably a good way to put it. I'd say Colorado's weakness is their goaltending by default, if you had to pick one, because I really don't think it's much of a weakness. I like Philip Grubauer as a starting goalie. There's just only the question of if he stays healthy. Right, right before I got on the show, I saw Jared Bednar's planning to start him for 65% of the games. And if you can get 36 games, which is what that would be, out of Grubauer and he's fully healthy, you can pretty much expect him to be a 915 goalie and he, at worst a 910. He's a very solid starting goalie. He's very underrated and he's dealt with a lot of injuries during his time in Colorado. And you got to stay healthy, but not a lot of that's in his control. So if he can stay healthy, he'll be a very solid starter for them and exactly the starter you need in order to carry this team far. So fair to say that maybe the shortened season might actually help someone like Grubauer? I would say so. I mean, Grubauer played exactly 36 games last season due to injuries and the pause and everything. So playing 36 games this season for him might just seem like exactly like it was last season. And it's not like they don't have a good backup. Pavel Francouz is a very solid backup as well. He struggled in the playoffs against Dallas, but in the regular season, he had one of the top save percentages in the league. So if he can continue even just along that performance, the abs are set and net. It might not be as good as their offense or defense, and it might not be one of the better tandems in the league, but it's still up there. It's still above average, and I'd say more than that, I'd say it's very strong. Now, now we know the names, McKinnon, Landis Gog, Makar, we know these names, but who is the, the breakout player that Avs fans are going to be expecting a lot out of this year? The breakout player the Avs can expect a lot more out of is definitely Andre Burakovsky. Andre Burakovsky, when he came over from Washington, he dealt with a lot of injuries. He couldn't really crack the top six in Washington due to inconsistency. Once he came to Colorado and once he got 
his defined spot in the lineup in that top six, it was over from there. He found his shot. And Burakovsky has one of the best shots in the league. And if he can play up to his full potential this season, I wouldn't be surprised to see him score at a 30-goal pace. His offense is lethal, and his playmaking ability is very underrated as well. And you stick him aside, line mates like Kadri and now Brandon Saad, and even last season when they plugged him in with McKinnon and Rantanen or Landeskog during injuries or just when Coach Bednar felt like it, Burakovsky thrived in those roles. And also in the playoffs, you saw Burakovsky came through big time in those elimination games. He scored in three straight game sevens. So if he can find some consistency this regular season as he starts to get into his prime, I'd expect a lot from him as an Avs fan. He can be he can be that kind of second line player that really can push your team to the next level and take some pressure off of your top line guys. A Capitals fan saying Burakovsky's the breakout player. Why am I not surprised? <laughs> Man, I wonder. I wonder why I would think that. I, I wonder why. I wonder all. why. Although, but, but I also know a thing or two about him, and I know I've seen him in Washington, and I've seen him in Colorado. This is a very different player in Colorado than the one I saw in Washington. Yeah, his resurgence in Colorado was was you know I mean you know not really being an Avs hater or pro or anti Avs. It was nice to see you know because you know you, you definitely saw the talent in Washington. It just now it was just a matter of you know getting it together, and it seems like Colorado was just the perfect perfect fit for him. Uh, speaking of good fits for uh, you know fallen stars, if you will, you have one of the Blues' most infamous failures on your roster, and you've had him there for the better part of a decade now. Well, Eric Johnson wasn't, I wouldn't say he was bad in St. Louis and calling him like a failure is really not fair. He didn't live up to being taken first overall over the likes of like a Jonathan Taves and a Nicholas Backstrom who went after him, among others. Um, you get that extra pressure when you're a first overall pick and it's just he just didn't live up to it. But he does seem to have carved himself a pretty nice role in Colorado as a steady veteran presence on on in their defense. But there's been some talk I've I've read about of getting Eric to waive his no movement clause to be exposed to Seattle or maybe possibly moved out, you know, as you have the likes of Bowen Byram and, and Connor Timmons coming up. So just based on what you know about the ass and what you've seen, what do you think Eric Johnson's future is in Colorado? That's a very tough one to read at the moment. Obviously, like you said, he has that full no trade clause and such. So Eric Johnson, when he's healthy and playing, is a very solid second-pair defenseman on this team. He's one of the longest-tenured guys on the team. He brings a lot of that veteran experience to the team. But when you have guys like Bowen Byram ready to start to make the NHL, and you've got Connor Timmins chomping at the bit to make the NHL this season, and also Eric Johnson hasn't been in training camp recently. He's still dealing with some, I would call it injuries, but it's, he's been labeled as unfit to play for the moment. We can only take a guess as to what that means right now, but he dealt with injuries during the playoffs. He's dealt with a lot of injuries pretty much almost every year during his time in Colorado. So when you have a chance to bring a guy like Byram and Timmons into the lineup and all respect due to Johnson, he's been here a long time. And if he's willing to waive that trade clause, I could see him being exposed to Seattle, but I, I'm not totally convinced that they would take him just because the abs would have to also expose some other solid players as well, just from the amount of talent that they have. So I'm not totally convinced that we can pencil him as pencil him in as a member of the Kraken next season, <laughs> but 
as for his as for his future, it's really just a question of how long he really wants to play here. I mean, he has three more seasons, including this one. He'll be a UFA after the 2024 season. He's 32 now. He'll be around 35 when the contract expires. So if he wants to stay here, I think he'll stay. But as the salary cap crunch is going to inevitably start to take hold after this season, they might have to start looking elsewhere. I mean, it's a modified no trade clause, not a no trade clause, like I just said. But so there are options if you want to move him. And it's not an unmovable contract. It's $6 million for three seasons. There is definitely a young team out there that needs defense that will bite on that without having to make you attach something crazy in order to take on the contract. But he'll definitely at least finish out this season. And if the cap crunch gets to be too much and Bowen Byram and Connor Timmons, or just one of them proves themselves to be NHL ready, then this could be his last season. But I don't think he finishes his contract in Colorado, just if I had to make a prediction right now. If not this season, then maybe the one after that. So our dreams of an Eric Johnson, Justin Falk pairing in Seattle might be taking a hit. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. I don't think Seattle's jumping at the bit to take Justin Falk's contract right now. Well, now, Ron Francis was his GM in Carolina, and Doug Armstrong Jedi mind-tricked Jason Botterill into, you know, giving us Ryan O'Reilly, and now they both are in Seattle. That's a one can hope. Think of that. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. We'll we'll see how that goes. Uh, so just in this conversation alone, I think I already know the answer to this question. But you know, we did our picks for the West last week, and it seems to be the consensus out there that Colorado is more than likely the top team out in the West. Is that the the same viewpoint that you guys have? Or are you kind of like us, where we're like, let's not put our team at the top. Let's kind of downplay them a little bit, and and maybe hope they get the first uh, the first spot. The expectation is in Colorado is that they win this division and they win the Stanley Cup, nothing less. I mean, bar, barring injuries, I'd say this team has no excuse not to win this division. Even with as good as the Blues and Golden Knights are, the way this team is constructed right now, they are built to win right now. So the expectation is the Avs finish first in this division, maybe win a President's Trophy as well, because it doesn't get easier after this season, like I've mentioned a lot. On my show before, you're going to have to re-sign McCarr after this season, and Landeskog's going to need a new contract. So, the attitude in not just the fan base but the team, from what I've seen, is that they are the Stanley Cup favorites. They have embraced that, and they are going to charge full full steam ahead in trying to not just win the cup but also win this division. Yeah, that makes sense, and and it's it's really hard to argue against any of that. Really, they, this team is built for world domination, uh, that is for sure. But how do you see the rest of the West playing out? Like, you know, I mean, a lot of, I mean, you know, while the consensus is that the Avs will probably win the West, I mean, Vegas and St. Louis are still in there. Do you do you see that as being you know your 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 top two contenders, or do you see any anyone else in the West really giving you any trouble? Absolutely. St. Louis and Vegas are the other top two contenders. And I'm not saying that the Avs are going to crush those guys and run away with this division in a landslide, because I think this top three is the best top three in any division. I mean, Amen. I, I personally have St. Louis third in the division, which, you know, go on the road to start the playoffs. Doesn't sound like they'd be Stanley Cup favorites, but I easily have them as Stanley Cup favorites. I'd have them winning probably two other divisions. I'd have them winning that 
East division ahead of teams like Boston and Washington, I'm ha- I'd have them winning that Canadian division ahead of teams like Toronto and Edmonton. And I'd only barely put them behind Tampa. And so while the blues, it's like a little bit of the luck of the draw to be put with Colorado and Vegas when they could have been put out in that central division, but they're also kind of almost guaranteed a spot ahead of teams like all the California teams, Minnesota and Arizona. So it's, you, you win some, you lose some. Maybe they're not going to be the best team in this division like they would be in some others, but they're also pretty secure in their spot right now. Well, they yeah, also we- seem to play up to their competition as well. So being in the same division as Colorado Vegas, they're going to put their best effort in those games where if they're out in like the East or something like that, they may not play to the best of their ability and, and may not make a playoff run because they haven't been able to play against the best competition. They're going up against the teams that are going to be there at the end. And and I think that's good for the blues. And I think for teams like Colorado and Vegas too. Yeah. I mean, one thing I've talked about on my show a lot is that these games against the blues and the golden Knights are going to be the way you measure yourself this season, because in this season opening series alone, uh, I went on guy, the Hawaii blues fans show the other day, he brought up a very good point. If the blues take one, against the abs that's a win for st louis the abs need to win both of those games because you're not going to really play another team considered to be on your level until you play the blues again in early february you're going to be playing teams like the sharks and the kings and the wild for probably eight or nine games and you're not going to be able to have another chance to really prove yourself against another team that can be considered on your level until you play the blues again and then you're only playing vegas for the first time at the end of February, and that's going to be four straight games. And you've got to you've got to put on a showing in those games too. So. Yeah, and exactly. And just from a competitive standpoint, you know, I'm I'm actually you know as time has gone on, I'm I'm happier that the Blues are in the West. You know, I think they match up against the Avs and and in Vegas very well. You know, we always play. You know, Coyotes are always you know tough a tough out against us. You know, we had, we had actually had a poll. You know, when we were still trying to you know NHL was trying to figure out how the divisions were going to uh, sort out on Twitter. And one of the answers was, you know, you know, how can we get annexed into Canada, you know, just so we can play against that weak division. But then I thought about it and it's like, you know, the blues don't have any rivals up in Canada. It it, it would be a, to me, there would be no sizzle on the stake if, you know, they were in the Canadian division. And if you thought the time zone issues in the West were bad, you know, go to Canada. Good luck with that. Yeah. That's just sounds like, a nightmare. And I was a bit disappointed that we couldn't get Dallas in this division as well and send Minnesota, send Minnesota pack into that central division. That just would have made for much, much more entertaining hockey, I suppose, just to get Dallas against St. Louis and Colorado. And they played Vegas in the conference final last season. They they've got yeah. they've got beef with all those teams. So for entertainment standpoint, I just I would have much preferred to see the stars. Yes, they're gonna play Tampa and have a Stanley Cup final rematch, but that's going to get old after a little yeah. while. Yeah, that that will that will definitely get stale. And you know, I I when you bring up the stars, I always bring it up. You know, I I still have PTSD over the double overtime game seven they had during the Blue Stanley Cup run. You know, watching Ben Bishop what doing game. what he did, and it's just like you know, every time the Blues play the Stars, it's always you know a hard hard matchup between the two. Those two. You know, I mean, that, that's another competitive rivalry that's really kind of started to build up over the last couple of years. And, you know, it's not a, it's not hate. It's just a very, very competitive game. Every time those two face off against, against each other, I'm going to miss them this year. I really am. I am, um, too, just for the the way that they they knocked us out last season with that game seven 
over time and we're missing both our goalies and everything. We, we really just wanted to get that pound of flesh back against the stars <laughs> over the course of eight games. And it's a shame that the first time we'd be able to see them this season at all is if we both went to that final four and played each other, or we could see each other in the final, but odds are we're not going to see them until probably October when next season begin, hopefully when next season begins, but it's just a shame because I think there was definitely something boiling over with that, but with matching up with the blues this season, I think that'll ha- that'll think that'll be a very good substitute because the Avs they were right on the Blues' heels for just about all the last season. Season paused right when they were just on their heels. They had a very fun game against them in the round robin with that last second winner, and I'd be excited to see a lot more of that. Uh, yeah, we, we we were doing a live stream of 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 our of that game, and um, I, I wouldn't say fun was a good word for it, Wags. It, it, was, it was the worst because it was Kadri and and I, you know all all credit to Kadri he's a good player but he's you know up in Toronto he was just a, uh, uh, uh. so to have him be the guy that did it uh, and and you guys got a couple of guys like that none, none more so than than the I guess shadow owner and we have uh, such a, a great history with Mr. Stan Kroenke here in St. Louis uh, what is the relationship with the Kroenkes? and the city or the state of Colorado and, and the Avs themselves. I mean, obviously Stan is not like the figurehead there. It's more his son, but is there any bad blood animosity or just anything wrong with the Crockies owning the avalanche? There's one thing that I can say for sure is that winning cures all. And at the avalanche, they have a very, very good team constructed right now. And fans are excited. It's when you start to lose that stuff like that can boil up to the surface. And you saw a bit of that when the Avs were bottoming out a few years ago. But it's not its not all sunshine and rainbows right now. There's still the stuff with altitude and everything and Comcast. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know how much that really has to do with ownership, but it's just something that's unfortunate for Avs fans to be dealing with right now. But in terms of actual relations with the owners – They've made the playoffs the last three seasons. They've won two playoff rounds in two consecutive years, and now they've put together a team that is the consensus Stanley Cup favorite for right now. So a lot of that gets ignored. I mean, like I said, winning cures all. And they they haven't won yet, but even just the idea of winning and having a very strong team cures all. Well, we never got a chance to feel that winning cures all, you know, mentality here when Kroenke owned the Rams because Kroenke purposely made the Rams bad so he can make them easy to move. I still stand by that statement, you know, not not bitter or anything. It wouldn't surprise me one bit, trust me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like he literally like took the playbook from the evil owner in Major League. You know, like seriously, he he ran that to a T. Only in his case it worked. You know, well, yeah, so. no, no one wanted to take the, the pieces off of him to see him naked. So exactly, exactly. exactly. Who wants to see that? Except his wife, maybe. I don't, I don't know. Anywho, on that note, um, we're going to give you a chance here, just like we did with the quack report to talk some smack about any other THPN podcasts out there. Uh, any budding rivalries. This is your chance to drop a dish track on any other team's podcast here within the network. We gave the Quack Report a chance, as I said, but they kind of took the high road. So we kind of talked about the Vegas Weekly Nightly earlier. Is uh, that going to be your diss track here? It's hard to say. I mean, I love all the guys at the Hockey Podcast Network. I mean, I've got I've got no beef with any of them personally, and mm-hmm. I love the Vegas Nightly guys. 
but I don't like their team. I do not <laughs> like the Vegas Golden Knights, and I will come out and say that publicly right now. Love the guys that do the podcast. Do not like that team one bit. I think they're a bunch of whiners. And I mean, you got to give Mark Andre Fleury credit though for playing goalie with a big sword sticking out of his I mean, back. I mean, so, more more credit hard. to him. I wouldn't. I I don't think I'd be able to move my arms or do any of that goalie stuff with a giant Excalibur in my back. But he's <laughs> he's sticking around this season and everything. I hope that doesn't come and poison the locker room or anything. But I, Vegas just from the beginning has always rubbed me the wrong way ever since their first season. I, I tried to embrace the the underdog role, but the second it got to to golden misfits, it just ugh. Yeah, it, as, it, as, it made me just recoil a bit. And seeing the seeing the Caps give them a bit of a push in the in the Stanley Cup final was very good for me to see. And to see them have that series against the Sharks where they blew that lead in the series and in the game. I, I'll admit I enjoyed watching that a little bit and watching the stars push him around as much as I don't love the stars right now. It was, it was okay to watch. I thought that was pretty cool, but as, as Wags knows, there's a reason I call Vegas, the Toronto of the West. That is a great way. To, yeah, they are. They're the Toronto of the West. And this, the, yeah. the part that bothers me about Vegas is that they did. They just seem like they act like they're owed a Stanley cup. That's the part that's always just, rub me the wrong way like yeah okay you guys have a great team you got the favor of the expansion draft good for you but you still got to go out and win it it just seems like they walked into that final against washington yeah. like it was already a foregone conclusion they're gonna win and then they well, walked yeah. in the next season like oh, we're just gonna win well i mean like san jose and tampa i mean they got handed handed ford pintos you know for their expansion teams and then you know minnesota got you know a, a yugo and yet here comes vegas with a lamborghini you know of a team to start off i mean and also it, that's not the way it's supposed to work right and you know i don't have a problem with giving expansion teams good teams just to grow the game there but the blue jackets have won one playoff series in their history Vegas has how many has Vegas already won? Like five? In three I think it's seasons? five. I yeah. think it's about five. Yeah. yeah. Like that's you gotta admit, it's a little unfair. And well, you're, you're you're talking to fans of two teams that have had uh uh you know, uh, the, the Blues did go to the finals in their first three years, I'll, but, you know, that was different. All the expansion teams were in one division. Right. It just so happened the Blues are the best of the dregs, you know, if you will. Um, and then, of course, we've gone, you know, when 50-plus years without even going to the Stanley Cup final after those first three years. So it's just we feel your pain when it comes to Vegas and their sense of entitlement. Right. Just you guys walked into the league, and now you're basically being handed – a decent shot at a Stanley cup every single season. And, and I grew up with the capitals. They've been to the Stanley cup final once before they won in 2018. The blues had been, not been the Stanley cup final for just as long as the Leafs had basically when they came into the league. So like some of us have had to endure a little bit of pain before success. Vegas just walks right in. It's just, Oh, we're going to the playoffs this year. We won the division, whatever they get on my nerves. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, and and uh, Luke Whitbin, our the guy that composes our intro music, chiming in. Did the Avalanche guys shame Vegas for having a good team in year one? That's that's literally what he just did for the last <laughs> you know three minutes here. So I don't, I'm not shaming them for having a good team. Good for them, but also let's acknowledge a little bit that some of us had to suffer first before success. Good on them for having a good team. Not a fan of their attitudes. 
and Wags, we know what suffering in hockey is, being Blues fans. We, we uh, know that all too well. Yeah, the, just go back to our November shows and you'll you'll see uh, exactly <laughs> exactly what that was a that was a long and painful month. I'll, I'll leave it at that. It was that made us drinkers. Yeah, put, put it that way. That's our excuse, I, at least. Yeah, as I as I drink my Irish cider here. <laughs> well, uh, Griffin, we want to th- we thank you for being on the show. It, it's been a lot of fun. I mean, yes, we have a little bit of a budding rivalry with Colorado, but it's always great to meet the people behind that rivalry and. Like you said, that we got a lot of great people here on THPN. Uh, let, let's we're going to just allow you, like we do every guest that comes on our show. Feel free to plug away. Where can we find you and your stuff? Well, you guys can find uh, my articles and everything at fansided.com. You, if you, even if I haven't written for a little while, you can scroll for a little bit, find my name, click on my name, and you can scroll through a lot of my articles there. If you want to find me on Twitter, you can follow me at G Young's NHL. If you want to follow my podcast where you listen to me rant about the abs and probably listen to me complain about the blues a bit during this upcoming season. You can follow them at tell it abs. It is. We have new episodes every Monday and Thursday. There'll be a new episode dropping tomorrow. I think you guys will be in that a little bit, but that's, that's about it. You can find me at Fanside. You can find me at my show, tell it abs. It is, and find me at my Twitter at G young's NHL. Oh, and one final thing. Uh, predictions for the uh, first two games between Colorado and St. Louis. What's your what's your score predictions? That's a good question. I honestly haven't given score a bit of a thought much yet, but for the opening game, I think the Abs will take that one at least. I think it'll be close. I'd give that one a 4-2 Abs win, maybe with an empty netter. And for that second game, I think I think I can bet on that one going to overtime. And at that point, basically a coin flip. Avs fan in me wants to say that the Avs are going to win that one, but <laughs> I also have trouble see, seeing the Blues going 0-2 to start the season. I think the Blues take a close one in game two just to give the Avs a little bit of adversity to start the season, which there's nothing wrong with. I think to set the tone of the season, I think the Blues and Avs split this series – I have the Avs winning night one just because the Blues have had more turnover. They need a little bit of time to gel. I would say Avs three to one, maybe three two OT, um, you know, night one. And then night two, I would say Blues win another close one. I would probably flip that around, say three two Blues. Yeah. What do you think, guys? Yeah, I think actually both games will probably end up going overtime. Uh, and I think you guys are right on the head. I think it's a, a split Colorado game one, Blues game two. Colorado is going to be hyped. It's in Colorado, so they don't have to worry about travel and figuring out how to make all of that work. And yeah, the Blues have had turnover, but it's not as much as you think. And the fact that O'Reilly's the captain of this team and he's already done so much for St. Louis in his two short years here. Um, I, I still think Colorado gets the win in game one. I'm going to go 4 3 in overtime. And then uh, I'm going to go two to one blues in overtime in game two, two overtime games. I mean, yeah. not like we're staying up late enough already. <laughs> I know. Right. Exactly. What's an, what's another half hour right. once her up has been half hour. Right? He doesn't go to a shootout and of course, oh. for another hour after that. Yeah. And, 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 and then no one scores and it goes like, you know, 15 rounds like that one Rangers yeah. game, you know, a decade sure. ago. Oh, J- just so you know, uh, real quick, uh, Tom, Jake neighbors has taken a penalty in the blue scrimmage. Nice, very nice. He is already assimilating himself, just, just, just perfectly fine. He, the, 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 the he's our first round pick from this year, the twenty sixth overall. And a couple days ago, he took a puck to the, uh, to the mouth and uh, got stitched up, and he was right back out there like a true professional. That's that's just the initiation, it seems. 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All righty. Well, thank you so much for being on Griffin. It was great. And of course, uh, uh, as uh, guy notes here, our Hawaii blues fan, uh, you were on the blue note fan report this past week. So uh, check that out on YouTube to search for the blue note fan report. And uh, speaking of guy, he joins us once again for another Aloha commentary. Uh, and uh, guy, of course, playing the role of Adam Oates, feeding us uh, a, a nice pass uh, to us, Brett Halls here, I guess, if you will, with uh, Griffin Youngs. Uh, we will hear from Guy and his Aloha commentary after we tell you about another one of our great Hockey Podcast Network podcasts. Uh, hey, by the way, Griffin, Mr. Capitals fan, our podcast this week is our Capitals podcast, The Caps Chirp. So you like hockey? Congratulations. You're amongst the smartest sports fans in the world. Want to fight about it? Join me, the Hockey Troll, and that snack, Polly Cupcakes, every Monday and Thursday on the official Caps Chirp podcast, repping the greatest team in the NHL, your Washington Capitals. Not only do we bring you the best Washington Capitals coverage, but we've got the hottest takes and the tastiest content. Tune in wherever you get your podcast and at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. Chirp us on all social media platforms at Caps Chirp. See you beauties and benders there. And now from Honolulu, Hawaii, via St. Louis, starting in the Pacific Ocean, Guy the Hawaii Blues Fan. As Tiffany likes to say, can you feel my heart beat? Can you feel my heart beat? Can you feel my heart beat? Yeah. And in the immortal words of that great singer-songwriter, Rick Springfield, I wish and a prayer won't get me there tonight. St. Louis Blues, take me away. Take me away with you. Blues, I'm wasting away. I want to see you play. Aloha! I'm Guy, the Hawaii Blues fan, host of the Blue No Fan Report, owner and operator of stlouisfanreport.com, and this is my Aloha commentary for the Blue Notes podcast. Well, guys, I'm on my balcony because it's raining. You know what? As Mike Tyson used to say, everybody's got a plan until they get hit in the face. Well, I got hit in the face and had to come up with a new one, so here it is. Uh, I just released a wonderful video today. Um, I got your guest today, Gillian Young, from the Tell It As It Is podcast, to do a preview with me. Man, it is outstanding. The, the stuff that he goes over, the stuff that I go over, we, we, we spar a little bit, baby. We spar, we spar, we spar. Somebody gets punched in the face. See who it is on the Blue No Fan Report on YouTube. Now, guys, hockey is just a few days away. Can you tell how excited I am? Training camp has been going great. The Blues have had perfect attendance through training camp. Now, this is huge news, and you want to know why? Because the Dallas Stars had to shut down their training camp. The Columbus Blue Jackets had players miss training camp. Pittsburgh had players miss training camp. And I just read that one other team today, and my mind just went blank on me, also had players not come in due to training camp issues or COVID issues or whatever you want to say. They're saying they're unfit to play. You know what? 
I just wrote an article about Dallas having it. And one of the things I said in that article is this couldn't have happened at a better time. This is perfect for the NHL. They get to see what protocols work, what protocols need tweaking, and what ones just plain failed and need to be rewritten. It is the, the NHL is doing things right. They're not operating on a fly. And it really seems to me like we know COVID's here and it's the X factor. Let's just deal with it. I got to love that. Mike Hoffman's out there playing. Jake Neighbors took a puck to the face and got back up. Uh, Krug is playing really good. Our biggest question is goal. I'm working on an article about our goaltending. Hope to have that out in the next couple of days before training camp start or before the game start. And also on Tuesday at 7 o'clock Central Standard Time, myself, a buddy of mine from the Columbus Blue Jackets, and I'm hoping a buddy of mine from the Vegas Knights are going to get together and do a live preview show. Might not happen, might happen, but that's the plan. See if we get hit in the face. Now, you guys asked me to do one more thing. You said you wanted me to pick the Central Division. Well, to be honest with you, other than Detroit being in last place, I think this division's way up for grabs. And I could sit there and think all day. I could spend hours trying to come up with it. And you know what the best plan is? I got the Hurricanes, the Lightning, the Predators, the Blackhawks, the Stars, Blue Jackets, and the Panthers. Oh, man, it's getting a little hot in here. Sorry, guys. There we go. Much better, right, Tom? I feel better. And so who's going to... See, they're already jumping out. So we're going to see who's going to come in seventh place. In seventh place, it will be the Panthers. In sixth place, the Predators. In fifth place, the Blackhawks. In fourth place, the Stars. In third place, the Lightning. And I'll, I'll do this one more real time. The last two, I'll click it. I'll pick first place first, and then I'll pull. Then I'll say who second is. So that's first. Put that on the side. So second place is the Hurricanes, and that means my buddy's going to be really happy because in first, I'm taking the Blue Jackets. You know what? Picking it out of the hat, that's not a bad list. That's how tight this division is. That's how unpredictable this division is, especially with the Stars having COVID. Dallas losing, or not, or not Dallas, Tampa Bay losing their uh, top scorer in Kucherov. Um, the Blue Jackets having some contractual issues with a couple of their players. There, there's just so much in that division, it could go anywhere. The only reason that I think Detroit is in last is because Detroit wants to be in last. I think they want one more chance at a couple high picks. I think they're going to make some trades to get even higher picks and go from there. Um, that's not a bad strategy at this point. That's really not. No fans in the stands. You don't have to worry about low attendance. You, you put guys on the ice. You put your young guys on the ice. You let them learn. Let them get experience. That could be a good team in a couple of years. Um, you know what? Now it's on you guys. So you tell me what you think. Uh, a little crazy, a little wild, but hockey's back, baby. 
So this is Guy, the Hawaii Blues fan, saying much, much mahalo, extreme aloha, and I cannot wait, wait to see you again. Wait a minute. You must. If you want to see me again, you got to do something. You have to like the Blue Notes podcast on YouTube. You have to like the Blue Note fan report on YouTube. And you've got to subscribe to both of them. That's right. Like us and subscribe. Please check out the STL or St. Louis Fan Report at stlfanreport.com. That is all about you. That's where my articles, that's where my videos are. And I've got a pick'em contest running. In my pick'em contest, you have to be a member of the Hawaii STL Blues Fan Clan. The, the pick'em contest is on the website, but the password is in the clan. All the rules are there. Go check it out. You got a couple days. My prize, my prize this month is a signed mini Jordan Bennington helmet. Let's see if we can get that, that away to the winner. So again, let me try this one more time. This is Guy, the Hawaii Blues fan, saying much mahalo, much aloha. And I cannot wait to see you again on the Blue Notes podcast, Blue Note Fan Report, and on the STL Fan Report. Aloha! Thank you, Guy, for being our uh, sunshine on a rainy day. And, um, of course, check out the Hawaii Blues fan clan if you want to win that uh, beautiful uh, Bennington autographed helmet that he uh, showed off there. It's on. It's the look it up on Facebook. It's there. And, of course, uh, Guy asked me to give a shout out to 22 Until None Veterans Group. Their mission is to end veteran suicide, and we support their efforts. Guy is a uh, big part of that group in Hawaii. They've helped him out. They've helped countless other veterans out as well. 22untilnone.org if you want to learn more about their mission. Um, definitely want to give those guys a big shout-out here. So as uh, Guy mentioned, uh, we are going to pick our central division order here on, uh, on Blue Notes this week. We did the uh, Western Division last week. And as you can see... Uh, Guy made making his picks. He went uh, drew him out of a hat. Columbus, Carolina, Tampa, Dallas, Chicago, Nashville, Florida, and Detroit. Luke Whitbin before the show gave us his predictions. He did not draw them out of a hat, uh, but oddly enough, interestingly, not not too far different on the order. Despite that, he went Tampa, Carolina, Dallas, Columbus Blue Jackets, Florida, Nashville, Chicago. A plastic bag tied to a tree. And then the Detroit Red Wings. Now, he gave me an explanation for that, uh, that that plastic bag, if you're watching us on Facebook or YouTube. A plastic bag that's been stuck in a tree for over nine months, but you can't reach it. You just have to look at it every morning and pray that last night's windstorm finally shook it free. But then you wake up and shit, it's still there. And then he hilarious, but he still picks that bag to finish higher than the Red Wings. And you know what? He's uh, uh, he he. I don't think he's that far off, Wags. I really don't. No, I mean that that plastic bag has more potential and uh, more gumption, as Darren Pang would like to say, than uh, than the Red Wings right now. (laughs) 
Definitely. And you're hoping that plastic bag does a holy jumping off the tree uh, sometime soon, you know, just as, as Panger would say. So uh, before we begin, it, it, let's just go ahead and, and get it in there. Fair to say you got Detroit last in your rankings. I do. And it's it's not because they are. No, it is because they're that bad. <laughs> they are. I, I was going to try so, trying to say something nice and positive, but I think the nicest and positive, most positive thing you can say about Detroit is the fact that. Stevie Y knows exactly what he's doing. It's not that they're going to be good in the next couple of years, but it's more so of the fact that Eiserman knows what he's doing. He built Tampa Bay into what it is now, and he's kind of going through the same model with Detroit. So as a Red Wings fan, and somehow there are still some of those, uh, I know, right? wait for the process. The process has been deemed to work, and they've got some youth there. they got some talent there. Uh it's not going to be this year. It's not going to be next year, but watch out because Detroit will be back. Stevie Y knows what he's doing. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, it's, it's, they're going to go through some dark times. They need to build up, you know, their, their base again. I mean, they really, this was a team that for so long was in win now mode that they really let their farm system kind of go to pot, if you will. Um, so they're, it, it's going to be a while yet for Detroit. But then, of course, this is the kind of a rebuild wags where the team on the other side of it, you really kind of worry about because they will have built so much time. And of course with Stevie Y who knows a thing or two about building winners like Tampa Bay, for instance, um, their day will come. But in the meantime, you know, we can, we can make fun of them now wags because they, 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 they inflicted so much pain and misery on us in the nineties and early two thousands. It's our turn. Damn it. It is. And it, it'd be, much better if we were playing against them in the next two years and then they move back to the East because I would be fine with beating up on them the next two years to get our revenge and then let them go back to the East when they're, you know, starting to become good again. So unfortunately <laughs> that's not going to be the case, uh, but maybe we'll get a chance to beat up on them next year. Definitely. Definitely. So we've got one end of the bookend here. Let's go ahead and fill the other end. Let's go ahead and start off with who wins the central division wags. Who do you got? Uh, it's, it's one of those things that you're probably going to be like, oh, really? Ho, ho, ho. I'm, I'm going to stick with Tampa Bay. I mean, I think they're the best team uh, in the, the league potentially still. Um, yes, that's saying Colorado and Vegas as well. I still think Tampa Bay is the best team, even without Nikita Kucherov. Um, I don't think they win the Stanley Cup this year, but I think they have enough to, to take this kind of up-in-the-air central division. You know... I, I'm very tempted to go Tampa just because they're obviously such a good team. Um, they're they're built for world domination, kind of like uh, kind of like Colorado is. But you know, um, before they won the Stanley Cup and the playoffs before then, they ran across a certain team that broke their heart in the first round. A team that no one ever gives any credit to ever. Like they they are a team anonymous in 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 East, and yet they're always good. I don't see any reason why they won't be good again this year. And I'm going to take Columbus as a surprise winner of the central division. No one ever counts on Columbus, but they, this is a good team. They have good goaltending. They have a good roster up and down of players that you may not know about. Like they just re-signed Bjorkstrand to a, a big contract, about five and a half million dollars per. He's one of the best two way forwards in the league. You don't even know who Bjorkstrand is probably, but yet that's their team. They're 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 that good. I think they have what it takes to win. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you whatsoever. That's why I've got them second in the in the division for me. I think Columbus is a very, very scary team and 
they once again just under the radar they just win and they've got two young goalies in Cor- Corpusalo and Merzlikens uh if they can stay healthy and they can figure out the Dubois situation and at least keep them happy for this year they they've got a real good chance to make some noise and watch out for Columbus cuz like you said they're the team that beat Tampa 2 years ago when no one gave them a chance and Tampa just needed some revenge last year. I really think I picked Columbus to beat them for in two straight years. Didn't work out that way. But after that first game, holy crap, does Columbus scare me a little bit. Yeah, they definitely. Uh, I got Tampa finishing second. And, you know, it's it's not just because I think Columbus is good. I think they're definitely good enough to take the division. One thing to remember with Tampa, they won't have Kucherov yep. this year at all. He is he is out for the year. Um, they, they won't have Shattenkirk. He, he left as a free agent. Um, they may still have to do some cap gymnastics. I think, you know, although I think with Kucherov, I think they're okay now. Um, but it's just, it's, they're, they're in an, I mean, they're still a very strong team, probably on paper, the strongest in, you know, between the central East and, you know, Canadian teams. Um, but they're, they're not. I don't get the same kind of unstoppable force feeling like I did last year from them. I think they're they they come into the season a little bit weaker, especially without Kucherov. That's going to be a big factor, and I think it's a factor that a lot of people are overlooking with Tampa. I agree with you. Uh, the one thing that I will continue to to beat down is who do they have in net? But they still got Vasilevsky. That that for me, if they didn't have a goaltender. I would be right there along with you putting him in that spot. But I just think Vasilevsky is just such a freak of nature that, I mean, he's, he's Dominic Hasek of this generation. Uh, he's going to will his team to win. Uh, I think Steven Stamkos will, he's not going to play the full season, I don't believe, but I think he'll be in it just enough to kind of inspire that team back to the top spot. Uh, but I, I do, I think it'll be a battle the entire season between Columbus and Tampa. And my third place team is going to be right there with them as well. I, I'm going with Carolina. I think they are another one of those young teams that has a lot to prove. Uh, they, you know, I, I took Aho and Shvechnikov as my top two picks this year in the fantasy draft. I, I've got a lot of potential in Carolina. They're, they're a bunch of jerks and I'm right there with them. I'm with you on Carolina. I think they're they're another team that's that's going to be very strong this year. Svechnikov is going to be going to have another year of experience in him. I think he is going to be a great great forward. You think he's going to be a great great forward because you took him for the THPN fantasy hockey team. So uh, and his line mate Sebastian Anho. I, I noticed that as well. So um, before a hose. That's right. And and Carolina. I mean, we talked about how Colorado's got a good defensive core. Carolina is also very deep as well. Uh, so that's why I got them in third as well. Uh, now, if this were like a week ago, I might have said Dallas in third. Um, but things have changed in a hurry in Dallas. Um, for one, um, first of all, there's the COVID cases. They're not going to be able to start the season on time. And if they're going to be in a situation where they are chasing down um, their schedule, trying to find the, where to fit games where they can. This team could wear out very quickly, especially when you consider that they don't just have their starting goaltender out. They have their backup goaltender out. Bishop is still hurt, and uh, Kudobin is having immigration issues. We don't know when he's actually going to make it stateside. Um, you know, Apparently, they saw that picture of Kudobin shirtless with the crawfish and the beer, and he is now on a no-fly list, maybe. I, I, actually, that's not the case. I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> 
He's the as as Corey Crenshaw said, she was she she was very terrified of Anton Kadobin. So I, I just I just you just wonder with a guy like that. So uh, I got Dallas and four. I still think they make the playoffs. I I don't think the rest of the Central's that strong. I think they'll still make it, but it's it's they might have to dig themselves out of a hole, kind of like they did last year. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Um, uh, unfortunately, I do not have them as my fourth. Ooh. Uh, I this this is uh, a team that well, just like Columbus, I think is very very underrated. Uh, they're a younger team. Uh, they've got a goalie who is a little bit of a head case, but has something that uh, he needs to prove. And, oh, guess what? He used to be in Columbus as well. Uh, I got Florida as my fourth place team. Uh, I really okay. like what they do down there. Uh, they've got Joel Quinville in year two. Um, I, I really think Florida takes that jump this year and gets into the playoffs and makes some noise. Uh, they're, they're the Columbus of two years ago in my mind. No Mike Hoffman, though. Uh, yeah, but they've got enough. They've got enough offense. Their defense is good, still led by Ekblad. Uh, and like I said, I think Bobrovsky has a big bounce back year. Yes, people are going to say, oh, well, he got his money. He's not really going to try as hard. I think he's got a little bit more pride than that. I, I think Bobrovsky bounces back. Oh, and guess what? I'm pretty sure both of the uh, goaltenders in the World Junior Championship gold medal game are Florida Panthers uh, goaltender draft picks. So they've got three goaltending prospects that will be able to supplant Bobrovsky in the next couple of years if he doesn't pan out. So I, I really like Florida. I'm, I'm going to stick with them at fourth. And, and you got Dallas fifth? I do have Dallas fifth. Uh, they, they do still have a lot of firepower, but they're getting older. They don't have their goaltenders right now. And I, I just feel like the game speed is starting to pass them by a little bit. Yes, they've got some young players. You know, Rupe Hintz is a guy I drafted with my last pick as well. I think he's going to have a pretty decent year. They have some guys that showed up in the playoffs last year, but they're still those guys are still young. I don't know if they're going to last the entire season. And I think their older guys are going to start falling apart a little bit this year. So I think they're going to be pushing Florida for that last spot, but I think they fall just short. And you know, I I think Florida has some some young talent as well. Aaron Eckblad's a very good defender. Uh, Barkov's a great center. Um, I'm not as high on them as you are, and I don't even have them finishing fifth. I'm going to give that. You, you mentioned World Juniors goaltenders. Um, I'm going with Nashville as the fifth place team. As much as it pains me to say that, because I really don't like Nashville at all, but. Um, you know, they, they they unloaded tourists. They got a head case out of their lineup this year. They still have a very strong defensive core, one of the best in hockey. Roman Yossi, top two, top three defensemen in all of hockey easily. Some could say he's even the best. I still say it's Hedman, um, but it's close. Um, they still have Philippe Forsberg. Um, it, it's, I, I think they've got enough in them to finish fifth. They might make some noise with Dallas late in the season, but I do think that, you know, just kind of like how there's a gap in the West between the Blues, Avs, and Vegas with the rest, I think there's a bit of a gap from fourth to fifth. And that, you know, I mean, like I said, Nashville could make it interesting, but I do think they are the best of the rest. Yeah, I mean, that's why we think this division is such a toss-up because there could be a lot of teams that make some noise that, you know, they may not be a playoff contender, 
but they're going to be a contender in the central. And, you know, I, I like Nashville at six. I know that I know saying like, and in six doesn't really mesh very well, but they <laughs> do have some good talent. The, the question mark comes down to goaltending. Are, are they going to go with Rene? Are they going to go with Soros? Are they going to just say, screw it and find some way to get a scar off over here? Um, that's going to be their biggest question mark for me is, are they going to be able to keep enough pucks out of the net to push them up in the standings? Probably, but I'm not going to bank on it. Yeah, that's that. That's definitely fair. And I think Florida, you know, will finish six behind the, the Predators. I just think I, I just I don't like Bobrovsky. I I I am worried about him going forward. I think they overpaid for him. He always even even before he signed that big contract, he was you know dating back to his time in in Philly. He was always kind of up and down. You know, he was been, been kind of a head case. So. um and then, of course, as I mentioned, they don't have Hoffman either. Yeah. So, and that that that's some scoring firepower they're going to be without. So, uh, I've got Florida in six. So, I guess this means that we both uh, have the uh, Chicago Black Hags in seventh. Yeah, I mean, losing Jonathan Taze for whatever amount of time that is, you know, not having you know really any goaltending after you know obviously losing Corey Crawford. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, Robin Leonard being traded away. Their defense is crumbling. Yes, they've got some good young talent and guys like Alexander Debrinkit, uh, but it's it's just not going to be enough that it's finally caught up to them. The the whole salary cap issue, um, and yeah, they're just they're not going to be there this year. I still think you know they're going to have some really good games. Uh, you, you're going to see a lot of that old Central Division Hawks Red Wings kind of going back and forth between two bad teams instead of two good teams. Uh, but I still think they're going to be competitive, uh, but they're just not, they're not going to be there. And, you know, if, if they were smart, they would really treat this Taze injury with kid gloves and, you know, maybe get him the whole year if, if he really needs it, maybe spell Kane a little bit as well, really come back fresh next year, let the youngsters get some experience and, and maybe next year come back in the redefined central division to make some noise. Yeah, they Chicago doesn't have anything to play for this year, really. I mean, I mean they they're, they're going to be without Kirby Doc for a while as well, who they were counting on being their second line center this year. So that that's one issue they got to deal with. Um, their the their defense to not get any stronger this offseason. I'm sorry, Zadorov is not that great. <laughs> um, the our 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 former friends at Offside by a Mile confirmed that with us. He's kind of a pylon. Um, and they, they 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 traded Mata to to the Kings, so that's an issue. They lost Crawford, which you know again he was kind of in and out of the lineup in recent years, but still their number one goalie is Malcolm Subban. I mean, is 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 that giving you a lot of confidence in Chicago? I personally don't see how it would. Uh, so there's this is going to be another rebuilding year for Chicago, and if they're smart, like you said, they tell Taves to you know what sit this one out. We got this. Yeah, one hundred percent. Kind of sort, of. and of course, in last place, uh, Detroit, who should be competing for a number one overall pick, I think, this year. And uh, knowing Detroit and and their recent luck, they'll probably still end up picking fourth. <laughs> yeah, because you mean Toronto has to pick first, right? Uh, of course, it, it, it's just a given. It's just a given. Then, then were the Rangers. Oh. I think that the Rangers might be due for another first rounder. I mean, you know, they are first overall. I mean, they had it last year, and they had two, number two the year before. So. You know, it's the Oilers' plan. You know, sucks so hard for so long. You get all these first rounders, and yeah, look how maybe, well that worked. I was gonna say maybe one of them pans out. <laughs> maybe one. I mean, then again, it's kind of hard to mess up when you have Connor McDavid on your team. Just, oh, just saying. Yeah, that's true. But they haven't. They still haven't won anything. So that's a fair point. 
That's a fair point. So that is our uh, picks for the Central. We'll post that banner up uh, on Twitter tomorrow during the day where you all can uh, discuss that. A lot of varied responses. And, of course, guy picking out of a hat, he still ended up with our top four just in a different <laughs> order. So he may be onto something with with picking out of a hat there, honestly. Yeah, and, I, I wouldn't. I, I can't say I did that, but uh, I, I was getting close to that. <laughs> all righty well to close out our show today it is time for our notes that are blue segments we call it notes that are blue because blue notes is already taken so these are notes that are colored in blue for our purposes uh just uh look for look around the league here and with the st louis blues by the way the uh uh scrimmage the uh, blue white scrimmage is going on as we speak on youtube and the uh, good thing about that being on youtube wax is that we can watch later and uh catch up which is what i'm planning on doing we are uh when we are done here right now, they're in the second and uh, looks like it was a glove save. I'm not sure who's playing net for the uh, Bennington's in for uh, for the white squad, I believe. And then who yeah. is in for the blue squad. And that was Mitch Reinke with the uh, wrist shot there. Remember Mitch Reinke? Um, yeah, I remember him. Once, I don't think that, most people will. Once. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I remember when he had a lot of hype and that then he I think he had some injury issues last year. Yeah. So that's why it starts kind of falling a little bit. All right, no set are blue, damn it. You know, let's get back on let's get, get back on track. Uh Corey Crawford, as we just mentioned with Chicago, uh decided that a career without the Blackhawks isn't worth having at all. He retires after signing with the New Jersey Devils. Uh he's had a fair share of concussion and injury issues in recent seasons. That probably was a factor in his retirement, although and he didn't say it himself, but there had been some talk that he had maybe some anxiety and depression issues after leaving Chicago, the team that He's been with all his career and really kind of nurtured him a little bit. So um, I guess the, the thought of playing in a uniform other than Chicago's was too much to bear. Well, I mean, it's also New Jersey. So yeah, uh, <laughs> not like he's going to win a cup there. No, no, no. I, I was just talking about it being New Jersey, not even the Devils. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> but, but you know, we've seen this over the last couple of years, especially with a guy like Robin Leonard. And, and that may have been a factor in it as well, having been his teammate and being able to talk with him and open up to him about what maybe he's feeling going to a different team, having to deal with depression and injury. You know, when you're, when you're rehabbing from injuries, especially the last year and a half with the way COVID has affected things, you're essentially going through it alone. You're not going through it with teammates or anything like that. So going from a team that you've been part of as a family to a new environment, still having to deal with rehab, doing it by yourself in the COVID era, possibly leaving your family as well. That's a lot to, to handle and to take in. And for someone that's had to deal with that for the last couple of years, I, I don't necessarily blame him. And people are going to give Ca- Crawford a bunch of crap for saying, oh, well, he signed and he it, it's, it's so late. It's almost the start of the season. Well, you know what? Sometimes you have to go through it and actually see what it's like before you can actually yeah. make that decision. So... Yeah, it, it hurts the Devils at this point in time because now they're scrambling for a starting goaltender. They've got one at this point right now, but they were going into it thinking Crawford was going to be a part of it. But you got to give the guy credit for at least giving it a go and seeing if it was something that he was going to be able to do. And Crawford, phenomenal goaltender. I actually had thought the Blues should have taken a, a flyer on him instead of the Devils uh, because we weren't sure what we were going to get out of Billy Huso wasn't the case and maybe the blues would have been in the same situation anyway, but being closer to the central division might've helped as well. I, I don't yeah. know, but it, it is a, a great career for Corey Crawford. And honestly, I wish him nothing but the best. 
Well, sometimes it's not even that. I mean, I, I think in the case of Crawford, he really got comfortable in Chicago. I mean, I know Leonard, uh, I think he uh, struggled a little bit in Vegas after being traded from Chicago because he liked Chicago and he was thinking of settling there. Um, obviously, he's gotten over it you know, since then. But, you know, it, it's something that you don't hear a lot about when players get traded. You know, like, like of course, Crawford was a free agent. He had a choice, you know, and, and he chose New Jersey. But when you get traded, I mean, it's it's I I experienced something like that one time in my radio career uh, when I was working in Fort Wayne, Indiana in 2016. Uh, I was I had just bought a condo in in Fort Wayne. It was the first place I've ever owned, and I and I bought it because I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be my home for a while. It's going to be my home for a few years. I moved around a lot in my radio career, and out of the blue, I get called into the GM's office, and he tells me. Um, we have to make some financial moves and we need to send you to South Bend or, and, and if you don't go to South Bend, we're, we're going to have to let you go. And I, that messed me up for a while. Cause I mean, South Bend is only about an hour and a half away, but I had to sell my condo. I had to move into a new place and I, and it was, it was moving away from a place I thought was going to be my home for a while. And it just, it, and, and, and it happens in hockey all the time when players get traded. I mean, you know, especially if you're a guy like I remember a few years ago, Ryan Smith got traded yep. from Edmonton to uh, he went to L.A., right? Yeah. Yeah. And he was sobbing in his in his press conference and he was sobbing because that was his home. That was, you know, where you know, that's where he put down roots. And it just it, it hurts when you've uh, when you've been been there so long. Now, Griffin, you know, he's watching the uh, podcast after being a guest. He says Crawford has his cups. He has nothing to prove in Jersey. That is also a factor as well. So, you know, it just it just I I wouldn't be surprised if that ran through his head. And it's like, why am I still doing this? I have my yeah. cups. I've been paid very well. Um, why bother? You know, well, so that dealing with concussions, you know, do you yeah. really want to go through that again, potentially? And you know, exactly. think of family, too. Exactly. Uh, Matthew Barzal, speaking of uh, being set for life, he signs a three-year extension with the Islanders worth $7 million per season. Uh, as we talked about in our fantasy draft, I was kind of surprised he took a three-year deal in the COVID era instead of maybe a one- or two-year deal max, given the economy and pandemic and all. But I guess Wags, he just wanted security, and um, you know, he's a guy that must like playing in New York. He, he must, and you know when they let Austin, or not Austin Matthews, uh, John Tavares go, Barzell was kind of put up there as the guy that was replacing him and had the ability to become better than John Tavares, and we haven't necessarily seen that yet. Uh, so to to go for a three year deal, it almost feels like he doesn't believe that as well, and it goes back to security. You want to make sure that you've got it now. The, the cap is flat for the next three years, correct? I don't think – is it the next or, three? I thought, I it's, it the next, it's next, the next two or three. Season or two, yeah, okay. So if it's the th if you know it's flat for the next three years, it almost makes sense because he's not going to necessarily get a raise over the next three years because there's not going to be any extra revenue. So at the very least, he knows he's set for three years, and then when the cap does fluctuate again – He's right there, ready to go, and he can have three seasons under the belt and say, look, this is what I've done for you. I did this to help the team now reward me. So it, it is still kind of a you know put-up-or-shut-up contract, but it, it, for him, I think it's more of, hey, I, I got security. I know where I'm, my money's coming for, from for the next three years. I'll take it. 
Yeah, and and not only that, but I I think Shane Ryan of Senzauer pointed out last night that the way his contract breaks down on his third year, he's still getting ten and a half million dollars. Yeah. So we don't need to send him a fruit basket wax. No, no, he's, no. he's he's gonna be fine. He's gonna be fine. And as we talked a little bit about the, just throughout the episode here, Dallas will not start the season with the rest of us. Six players, two staff members have tested positive for COVID. Uh, stars will not likely play any earlier than January 19th after the bubble created, you know, of course, you know, the bubble during the playoffs, everything was ideal. You know, we had no positive cases whatsoever. Everyone behaved and we got through it just fine. And I feel like people have kind of taken that for granted a little bit coming into this season because now you have teams traveling again, playing in their own cities I have a feeling the Stars will not be the only team in this situation at some point this year. I 100% agree. Uh, you're, you've got travel that you're dealing with. You've got guys that are, you know, they're smart, but it, it doesn't take but a slip-up from one guy to have it happen. And, and not even a slip-up in the worst sense of, oh, a guy went to the bar because he wanted to. It, it could be, hey, this guy went, grocery shopping for his family and he got it there. I mean, it's, it's going to take something small and it, it, that's, what's going to happen. I think you're going to see a couple of different teams go through. I mean, and in the NFL, you had teams, you know, go through it. The Cleveland Browns are going through it right now and yet they're still playing a playoff game today. So it's going to happen, I think, but the, the NHL has, has done enough. I think in, in the goodwill department for team, for, for fans to be like, it's going to happen. It's okay. They're going to find ways to make sure it's you know limited to a small amount of time that these teams miss, and having these taxi squads apply help as well. Yeah. Uh, so that you know they're going to find ways to make it so that these teams aren't scrambling to get these games played before the end of the season. Well, and we saw it with the Cardinals in baseball last year. We saw, and we're seeing it now with the Billikens in, in college basketball. Mizzou as well. I have a feeling this is just one of those things where at least until we're all vaccinated and this pandemic becomes, you know, a footnote in history. Um, this might be something that, you know, these professional leagues just have to accept is just the way things are. And you're just going to have to be prepared for it and figure out what to do. I mean, now granted, I mean, of course, there's also the thought that, Hey, you know, if we all get COVID, you know, then we got herd immunity and, you know, it, it's not going to matter, but you, you can't rely on that. You know I mean? That that's, that's silly talk. But at some point, this pandemic will end. At some point, things will get back to normal. Um, they're hopefully the 2021-22 season is going to be a normal 82 season schedule. It'll be nice to start seeing some normalcy um, back in our sports. But as we are reminded in the case of the Dallas Stars, it's a process. It's a process. It's a process. Trust so, the process. <laughs> trust the process. And, you know, and we also have to trust you know Father Time himself. And he finally has given us hockey after all this time let there be a hockey on wednesday night and wags how much hockey do you plan on watching this opening weekend oh man i'm gonna take in as much as i possibly can if there's a game on tv and i'm home i'm gonna have it on the tv i mean hell i'm watching a scrimmage on youtube right now that's how much hockey has been missed in my household and yes we may not have it because hulu and fox sports midwest can't come to an agreement but we're going to find a way to watch it. Somehow, some way, we're going to have blues hockey on our television come Wednesday night. 
And I will say the World Juniors was a nice yes. little appetizer heading into the season. I mean, it's I'll admit I've never really watched the World Juniors in the past. I mean, maybe just a little bit, like maybe like the U.S. Canada, you know, gold medal game. But that's about it. But I watched more World Juniors than I have any other year. And it was kind of interesting to watch just, you know, not just the future of hockey, but just like the different styles of hockey, you know, when they talk about playing a European style of hockey or the Russian style of hockey, you get to see that on display. And it just, it was kind of nice to see that kind of melding of, of cultures and, and things like that. It was, it was some good hockey. Oh, it was some great hockey. And you can sit there and say, Canada's 16 to two win over Germany was unfair. Well, you know, look what the Germans did after that, you know, yeah. they took it and they said, Hey, we're going to learn from it. They did. They were missing players, and yet they were still giving their all into the very last second of that game. And then they end up making you know, the, the playoffs of the junior championship. So it just goes to show you that there are a lot, and I mean a lot, of great hockey players out there. And to be able to see the youngsters play and guys that you may not know of just yet, it gives you a really good indication of, of how good the, the game of hockey and the, the good hands that it's in for the next you know, five, six, eight years. Yeah, and it's and it, and it reminds me that you know I'm actually kind of tempted to go to our uh, fantasy hockey league and uh, claim Tim Stutzla off of waivers. You know, even though we just drafted yesterday, Stutzla. You know, you mentioned Team Germany. He carried that team on his back, yep. and he is going to be a great, great player for Ottawa. He might be. He he's got a good shot at at least being as good as Drysaitel and you know and claiming the best German ever title. Even he's, though he missed Drysaitel, it's our German. A guy last week. <laughs> Look, you know the, the past is the past. You know we, you know we 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 misfired a pass. I mean we we've got it's like football. You just you know got to move on. Forget that last interception and just move on. Move on. <laughs> Alrighty, Wags. On that note, I think that is going to do it. Uh, any final thoughts? No, I'm just once again excited for Wednesday. Uh, watching this scrimmage is getting me pumped that the Blues are going to be able to make some moves this year and, and be competitive. Uh, very excited to see what happens come Wednesday night against Colorado. Yeah, same here, same here, and just let there be hockey. Let there be uh, let there be a good season this year without a lot of COVID interruptions. That's all we can pray for. And um, I'm just I'm just ready. I'm yeah. stoked, and uh, let let's get it on. And that's going to do it for this episode of Blue Notes. I want to thank you for watching and listening because without you, there is no me, there is no Wags, there is no Griffin Youngs, there is no Guy the Wyatt Blues fan, and finally, there is no Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Tom Franklin reminding you to not be a chump and always play to the whistle. A reminder that you can follow Blue Notes on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Blue Notes Pod. I'm the voice of the blues, Tom Calhoun. Jeremy Boyer, play us out.
You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.